Hello and welcome to Crack Encrypteds and Curios. This is Matt once again, joined by Angel. In this episode, we are investigating the little alchemical humanoid that could, the homunculus. Before we do that, however, we have some very important items to attend to. The goals we are setting to better ourselves for this episode. For newcomers to this show, myself and Angel are trying to prepare each other to be better people in the year 2024 by setting very specific goals we can accomplish in this episode. The idea being, the more goals we accomplish this year through this season, the better people will be next year. It's going to work. This is the first we are each hearing these specific goals. And as the old saying goes, there's no better way to become a better person than by having someone micro-focus anxiety and stress upon you. So please, Angel, give me stress and anxiety. For the first goal, I know for a fact that I will be given a chance to produce a list later on to reflect on today's topic. Your goal is simple, really. You must improve my five-item list with your own. <laughs> Jesus. I gotta, I gotta parry you. I gotta make it better. It's a tall task. Discipline. Discipline, Angel. Defined as control gained by enforcing obedience or order. Some people have it, some people don't, and others just plumb never know its sweet embrace. All three of your goals are about showing what happens if you let your discipline crack and you loose yourself like an arrow into the night. You see, without discipline, we have nothing separating us from the common animal. Without discipline, you open yourself to base desires and enter a whole other state of being. You enter a whole other mode by Entering several modes this episode, you will learn how important discipline truly is. In 2022, goblin mode became Oxford Dictionary's word of the year. The term is defined as a type <laughs> a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. In this episode, you need to go goblin mode. Got it. Goblin mode. No idea what that is. You're going it. <laughs> oh my god. That's not a thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> it was Oxford's word of the year last year. I thought the last Where have you been? I thought the word of last year was I already forgot. <laughs> It wasn't goblin mode. That's not a word. That's two words. <laughs> Phrase of the year. <laughs> Jesus. I'll just burp into the mic or something. <laughs> Unapologetically self-indulgent. <laughs> okay. So for your second goal, Bucky. <laughs> God. It's, it's never ending. <laughs> it's time to redeem yourself. What I do wrong? One of the ways we can better ourselves is figuring out ways we could have handled a situation better. Your goal is to go back in time, at least figuratively speaking, back when you were in Spanish class and you had to choose a name for yourself. <laughs> go ahead, choose a Spanish name for yourself, and then you must become that name. 
You must live and breathe it as if it has been your name your entire life. I will even call you this for the rest of the episode. Unless something else comes along and changes that. But <laughs> at some point, though, you will be so deep in this character that when you are talking, you might just forget some word in English. You stammer, you stutter, you stop mid-sentence and ask out loud. They, uh, uh, how do you say? Until you finally remember, ah, yes. <laughs> do I have to say it like that? Well, that might be offensive. <laughs> <laughs> the best, best that you can. <laughs> I have to embrace my Spanish name. Mm. <laughs> As has been suggested this season, you are you are quickly advancing in the years, my friend. Time sneaks up on us all. With that said, old people get cranky. <laughs> Short tempers, no patience, they can perish at any moment. Mm -hmm. Since you practically have one foot in the grave due to your age, this is something you'll have to watch out for in the future. Elder mode. <laughs> this is when this is when an elder person becomes so enraged they black out and can no longer control their actions. Something something more takes over their body. It is it is said in elder mode, their eyes glow red with anger, and their fury nearly lifts them off the ground. In this episode, you need to go elder mode. God. <laughs> this is like the nonsense where I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> How do you say angry? <laughs> I've mentioned in your first goal, I said your goal was simple, but actually your third task, your third goal is really very simple. The most simple of all of them, actually. You just got to think about what you've done. You know what you did. When you remember, tell our curiosities what you've learned from your errors. <laughs> Open-ended ones really do give me stress. <laughs> I just have to think about what I've done. Yes. All those innocence. <laughs> Don your wizard robe and hat. You have kingdoms to save, princesses to rescue, kings to counsel. Doing all that takes a whole other state of being. Something slightly whimsical. Something with a tinge of, dare I say, deviant behaviors. And a dash of unparalleled wisdom. In this episode, you need to go Merlin mode. God, what does that even mean? So, goblin mode, elder mode, and Merlin mode. I'm going to think about what I've, what I've created here. That's what I'm going to think about. <laughs> Alchemy was a hell of a drug to people back in the day, Angel. Transmutation of base metals into precious noble metals, purification, maturation, and perfection of the common into the rare, the allure of riches, hunting for the elixir of life to grant immortality, something I imagine you're trying to do now with that advanced age. <laughs> I, I suppose, with that being said, has the essence of alchemy ever really vanished or has our approach and terminology just changed over the centuries what's happened is that alchemy is kind of like taking advantage of what was the trend at the time 
which was science. And <laughs> were, were alchemists influencers? <laughs> well, maybe, but but what, what what was happening is basically when you whenever science is brought up, there's a lot of people, a lot of dreamers out there that like the idea of science, but maybe they're not quite as rigorous as an actual scientific mind. So they'll take the concepts from it and kind of come up with their own thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Well, you have uh, a lot of alchemists. If you look at a lot of alchemy books now, they talk about like self transformation, and they always talk about like this. It's uh, symbolic in in a symbolic sense. Like this is about inner transformation, and and the, the the mention of metals and all of that was just something for the people of the time to relate it, uh, to relate to it. And so I think that alchemy is still a thing now. It's just dressed up as self help books and. And the like. Mm -hmm. It's transmuted from, yeah. Change lead to gold to <laughs> change yourself from an idiot slob to <laughs> somebody that has accomplished a lot of goals. You might say ourselves we are alchemists <laughs> of the wow. of the modern time. <laughs> Another goal accomplished. As we have detailed quite extensively on this show, the pursuit of artificial life is all the rage right now and with the digital arms race of AI. But really, I think the argument can be made that humanity has always pursued the creation of artificial life. While the concept of the homunculus goes back to at least a thousand years, the entity as we know it likely spawns from alchemical experimentation and philosophy, and is reportedly first referred to in the writing of 16th century alchemist Paracelsus. Some suggest that the transmutation of life is actually the magnum opus of the alchemical world. The Mr. Holland's opus of <laughs> alchemy, if you will, Angel. Pray tell, Angel. What the heck does a homunculus look like? Pray tell. Please, thank you. Respond. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So I asked my good old friend chat gpt what a what a homunculus would look like because uh we've talked about other creatures in past episodes that all have uh, different looks and i felt that i have uh, betrayed that by giving one specific look instead of the full spectrum the whole spectrum yeah so chat gpt says the appearance of a homunculus can vary on the specific tradition or depiction. However, there are a few common characteristics often associated with the concept. Size. Homunculi are typically portrayed as small in stature, often no more than a few inches tall. They are considered miniature versions of a human, hence the term little man. They have humanoid features resembling a tiny human. They typically possess a head, torso, limbs, and hands. <laughs> typically? What? <laughs> Similar to a regular-sized person, but in a scaled-down form. The proportions of the body may vary, sometimes appearing slightly distorted or exaggerated. Due to their diminutive size, the details of a homunculus are often simplified. Facial features such as eyes, nose, and mouth may be present, but they are usually less intricate compared to a full-size human. I mean, right now, it sounds like a baby to me, this description. Except it's like a fully formed little, a miniature person. Yeah. It would be like if, say for instance, 
Tim Allen made a homunculus, and the homunculus that was created would be like a Tim Allen, but like three inches tall. Uh, yeah. And then he, then he kills it, and be, it becomes, becomes a homunculus the because homunculus. of the, the homunculus clause. <laughs> Although this is where it deviates. It says that homunculi may possess distinct physical characteristics that set them apart from regular humans, such as unusual skin colors or textures, to additional what? appendages or abnormal body proportions. <laughs> what? So, some depictions also include wings or tails. I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> it, in some representations, homunculi may appear more doll-like or artificial, lacking the vitality or warmth associated with living beings. Uh, this is often conveyed through a pale or lifeless complexion, rigid body posture, or a lack of facial expressions. It's important to note that since the concept of a homunculus has been explored in various mythologies, alchemical texts, and fictional works, there is no definitive appearance that applies universally. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's very... <laughs> Very well-rounded answer. <laughs> Thank you, ChatGPT, for just vacuuming up the entire knowledge of everything to create that answer. Yep. Before we really dive into the the but into the either how you say it laboratory or laboratory here, Angel, we need to transmute our idiot slob selves into wizened alchemists because that's what Paracelsus did. That wasn't even his real name, Angel. His birth name is... Who? Philippus Ariolus Theoprastus Bombastus von Hanenheim. <laughs> this dude, who looked like comedian Jim Gaffigan with long brown hair, gets a doctoral degree from the University of Ferrara in 1516, uh, quite close to your date of birth, at the age... <laughs> At the age of of 23, and just starts going by the name Paracelsus. He just said, my name is Paracelsus now, <laughs> meaning above or beyond Celsus. And according to Britannica Encyclopedia, the, this name reflected the fact that he, being Philippus Aureolus Theophrastus Bombastus von Hanenheim, that he regarded himself as an even greater than your, your good friend, and well-respected peer, a Louis Cornelius Celsus, a renowned first-century Roman medical writer. What the hell is that? <laughs> Better than Celsus? I, I would say hubris. <laughs> I, imagine this. You're, you're 23 years old. you straight out of college and you're like i'm gonna give myself a new name that's like that means better than you know einstein or something like that <laughs> can you imagine let me, let the me arrogance? single out single out uh a lewis cornelius celsus and <laughs> make me above him who knows maybe maybe lewis a lewis cornelius celsus was a, a popular dude in his day <laughs> he was the pliny the elder of first century rome <laughs> Medical writing. Who <laughs> was also Pliny the Elder. <laughs> he was everything. So I figure if it is good enough for Paracelsus, it's good enough for us, right? So before we continue, we must each come up with our own alchemist name to refer to each other as the remainder of this episode. That way we can fully embrace the alchemical life and understand the homunculus. 
So I ask, pray tell, what is your alchemist name? <laughs> take you, take you. Taking a, a few pages out of uh, the Paracelsus notebook, notepad, vellum, whatever the hell they wrote on. <laughs> Voynich manuscript. He wrote in it. <laughs> he illustrated. I named myself uh, Ilcibius Medicus V. The fifth? You have a lineage? <laughs> That's right. Eusebius <laughs> Medicus V. Good lord. <laughs> So I, I I took a I took a, a vellum out of Paracelsus <laughs> as well. Mine is Paravespasian the Vomit Comet. So this is multi-layered angel or <laughs> Eusebius Medicus V. Vespasian was a, a Roman emperor I mentioned in the Santa Claus episode going way back to season two, who was on my list of most hated emperors, not at the top, but on the list. Para, of course, because I see myself as as better than him, of course. Just as our alchemical forefather, Paracelsus. And another layer that Vespasian was known for his tendency to vomit, according to Google Bard. But I'm pretty sure that that AI just made up that fact. And that's not not true, but it's part of my name. So, Paravespasian, the vomit comet. Excellent. Paracelsus believed all natural substances have two types of influences. A helpful and harmful influence. So these influences could then be separated by alchemical means. This belief led to one of his most famous sayings. All things are poison and nothing is without poison. Only the dose makes the thing not a poison. What do you think of that view? I mostly agree with that view except for one thing. There is one thing that cannot be poison... And it only does you more good the more you have it, actually. Is this like another joke, like freedom at the end of your bed? <laughs> no, <laughs> the no. sleep demon episode? <laughs> no, not at all. It's, uh, would you like to know what it is? Yes. It's, uh, it's earth juice. That refreshing, chunky <laughs> texture. <laughs> that refreshing, chunky texture we've all grown to love. Now in blue and red flavors. Blue and red flavors. I think uh, might be some sort of alchemical history of earth juice. Uh, yeah. The, what? <laughs> They're calcinated. <laughs> that makes me sound like when I drink it, it's going to hurt. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it will, but it makes it sound like it will. <laughs> the what, the first time I read that that uh that sentence though all things are poison, nothing is without poison. The first thing I thought of was, I recall when the Nintendo Wii came out, I remember hearing a story about some radio station that put on a a contest where people had to show up and drink as much water as possible without peeing, I think was the was the effect, because they were playing on the, on the Wii name. But then, I think it was a mother and daughter, they drank so much water that the water poisoned their bodies. And I I can't recall, though, if they got so ill or enough to die. But oh I, I was like, even water can do it. Anything that with, with such grandiose entry into your body, it will hurt you. Mm-hmm. So while Paracelsus can write insightful things like that, he can also write seemingly absurd things like how to create a homunculus in his 1537 book on the nature of things. He writes... That the sperm of a man be putrefied by itself in a sealed cucurbit, 
for 40 days while the highest degree of putrefaction in a horse's womb, or at least so long that it comes to life and moves itself and stirs, which is easily observed. After this time, it will look somewhat like a man, but transparent, without a body. If, after this, it has fed wisely with the arcanum of human blood and be nourished for up to 40 weeks and be kept in the even heat of the horse's womb, a living human child grows therefrom, with all its members alike another child, which is born of a woman, but much smaller. We have to enter the homunculus breakdown zone here, Eusebius Medicus V. Firstly, putrefied sperm. If we experience this incubation of a homunculus, are we expecting a putrid fog to be in the air? What's what's the air smell of, in your opinion? In your alchemical opinion? Rancid debris. <laughs> There's debris in the air too. Like things got things got kicked up. Yeah, you, you don't you don't have putrefied sperm without stuff getting kicked up. <laughs> let's go. Let's go hand in hand. It's the, the old idiom. <laughs> I mean, it's a basic scientific fact, right? <laughs> we have we have decaying sperm in a in a a cucurbit. A cucurbit. And while I know you constantly have gourds on your brain, he isn't saying that to put sperm into a plant from the gourd family. It's referencing to just seal it in a distillation vessel. So we seal it for 40 days in a hot as hell horse womb, or even possibly less time since apparently no two homunculi are created equal because some may come to life sooner or later than 40 days. But why a horse womb? Or horse wombs easy to get back in the 1500s? Why not a goat? Why not a cow? Why not a sheep? I think I think the answer is really easy for this one. You're growing a tiny human. You need at least a horse-sized womb. <laughs> <laughs> need something malleable, like a horse womb. <laughs> I mean, I I tried to look into this. I couldn't find anything other than there. You know, back in possibly pagan times is the best way I could put it. There is horse worship, but and and horse burial rituals, sacrifices, but there's no mention of anything that the, the organs were used for. So I, I don't know why yeah, they didn't. Why the, the horse womb would be so powerful to yeah. hold a little tiny man in it. After the allotted time, we get a, a tiny transparent man blob. I picture Pizza the Hut. <laughs> but with the proper feeding regimen of human blood and not letting it get too cold for 40 weeks, you get a tiny man. In other translations, I saw that instead of a horse womb, it is horse manure that is used. So I guess maybe it, it, it maybe that's even an alternative uh, to those of us that have no access to horse wombs. So first here, Eusebius Medicus V, out of all of this, what would make someone believe this would work? I think you're right. I, it's easier to find horse manure, right? Mm-hmm. It's that's for the every man or the <laughs> yeah the every man alchemist that the can every, have just access to horse manure, not the, the horse itself. The every man horse manure <laughs> ingredient will produce a, a, a slightly inferior homunculi, but <laughs> still worth its its weight in gold. That one. That oh, one. Oh. There we go. And so 
I thought you were the vomit comet there for a moment. The best passing was here. It was just you going apparently goblin mode. Goblin mode, a cheat. <laughs> so, I think why anyone would believe this is because even with just horse manure, there are a lot of um, rituals, I think, that you are. At least in Chinese medicine, there's a, a few things that use, like, dog poop. Hmm. So, I, I don't see... I'm sure there's other things that use other kinds of poop of sorts. And maybe people felt that there are some sort of curative or restorative properties. And so, horse manure has clearly the ability to restore life. <laughs> I mean... The, the the old saying goes, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, and there's horse apples, so <laughs> you just eat horse crap. <laughs> That's what I get out of that. Maybe maybe these people saw the horse poops. I mean, maybe they also put, could have seen it with cows, too. I don't know, but they see the horse poops, and they're like, hey, there's grass growing out of them poops. That means life found a way. <laughs> they Ian Malcolm to the horse poop? <laughs> They sure did. <laughs> they they chaos theoried. <laughs> you know they, they they invented all that stuff, right? <laughs> so roughly roughly nine months of feeding this transparent blob human blood, we get the homunculus. So clearly, the blood has a significance in its power. But do you think this falls into a a pseudoscience of the blood fueling the homunculus, or more? Uh, like some sort of hemomancy or blood magic being the the driving force here. Once again, I think the hemomancy and uh, pseudoscience were probably one and the same, the in, same the, yeah. in, in these times. The whole bloodletting of leeches because you have bad blood, so you got to let that blood out. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think, and not to mention what Dracula says: blood is the life. So. I mean, you gotta go with Dracula, right? It all—it always comes back to Dracula. You recently told me something that seemed like pseudoscience in regards to dust getting plants to flower. Can you explain that idea? Let me put on my wizard hat. <laughs> You're gonna go Merlin mode right now? I don't know what exactly Merlin mode entails, <laughs> but I imagine. <laughs> I don't know what that voice is. Sorry. <laughs> uh. Well, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Okay, so there, got there, like Merlin. there's there's a a, a, a fine a piece some some rocks found near near the, uh, uh, magical magical ley lines of earth, and once you find these rocks, you must bring them to the mystical pineapple plant. And, and most importantly, you must keep them absolutely dry. It's imperative they stay dry, and you put these rocks in the pineapple plant. Pour some water, and it must be at night. You must, it's very important. It must be at night. You pour some water in, and poof! In two weeks, you will have a pineapple flower. And that is the Merlin way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about what I've done here, though, because having you go Merlin mode actually made it sound less feasible and less true than that this actually works. 
I regret Merlin mode. <laughs> it is it is uh, fantastical but true. The 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 rocks will when wet a chemical reaction occurs and releases uh, an, a gas ethylene or something like that. It's not ethylene because I think ethylene is the plant hormone. So there's something it's something ethylene gas, which mimics the hormone in the pineapple plant that tells it to flower. And the reason you have to do it at night is because the pineapple plants leaves a stomata are open at night and they close during the day. Now, for those that don't know, stomata are the tiny pores in, in the leaves of plants that open for respiration purposes. But when they're open, they also release uh, moisture. So pineapple plants like to keep their moisture in during the day because it's usually hot where they're at. So they stay closed. And then at night they open up and take in all those wonderful gases. It made me think that when their pores open and the dust goes in, you give the pineapple pimples. <laughs> yes, yes, make it go through puberty. <laughs> that's why that's why I get so spiny. They're just pimples. I was going to take it further, but no. <laughs> no. I already went goblin mode. <laughs> I'm fearing elder mode. Uh, let's talk about stress and anxiety. So all of this, in in my opinion is very ritual based and less scientific approach so it reminds me of the insane details if you recall all the way back in the rukuru episode of either getting or not getting turned into into a werewolf once you're bitten there were some like strict rules that played into that it -hmm. seems almost similar to that is the high detail and intricate planning of those uh, of those things that on the surface level a here to make this legitimate because it is so detailed does that make it more legitimate so meaning if someone put this much thought into over a 10-month experiment it must be true right like who's going to commit that much time to do this i think i think it does give it le- some sort of legitimacy because when you read these steps you you have to think your, to yourself well somebody wrote this out and and there's there's a, plenty of details in there so it's assumed that somebody actually did this and followed the steps or, or, or at least did it and then wrote down the steps because they're like, hey, this was successful. Especially back in a time of everything being handwritten into a book <laughs> to also yeah. take the time to do that and then also take the time to only be one of the few that could actually read it. <laughs> yeah. So th- that's actually an interesting uh thing to think about because it's like only what like the the rich the highly educated would be able to read these things so this highly educated uh circle of people are going around believing that they can make a tiny human by putrefying sperm in a horse wound <laughs> so but first you got to put it in the vessel in the <laughs> in the, in the curcubit and, and they're probably thinking to themselves ha ha those pores they they don't know the stuff we know. <laughs> they don't know I'm putting these things in a horse womb. Those fools. Although they probably they probably got the poor people to do it for them. They said, go kill that horse and bring me its womb. Also, get me some sperm. <laughs> <laughs> get me some sperm. 
Were they... <laughs> whose sperm were they using? I think they were mixing and matching. <laughs> because because these people don't know how, how conception works. <laughs> they just... Yeah, I mean, if the more the better, right? Just, just get me 12 gallons of sperm. So here's the thing. One would presume if Paracelsus wrote this, it means he also attempted it. And if he is writing it, telling how it is done, one can then think that he did it successfully. Because why else would he write it? What the hell did he create after putting human sperm in a jar inside a horse womb that's presumably... It's not clear, but presumably not attached to a living horse for 40 weeks. I, I still don't know if there's a living horse involved or it's just a removed womb. I, I automatically jumped to it being a removed womb. <laughs> I didn't realize. I didn't have that thought that it could be put inside of a live horse, which makes I, it so much worse. <laughs> I, I assumed it, but I don't want to that it was a removed womb, but Paracelsus... They could. I don't know. I mean, he's better than that medical writer, right? <laughs> Celsus? He thinks so. <laughs> he's beyond Celsus. <laughs> he, um, um, what did he create, though? I, I don't know if you've seen the, 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 two, the, the videos on, on YouTube, but there's uh, apparently some videos went viral a few years back of some Russian dude who would keep his face covered. So it, it would, it adds an air of of is he is he mass magicianing this? <laughs> Not mass magicianing, but it was like a guy like in his kitchen, and he's like putting stuff in an egg, and then basically it's the same thing, saying it's sperm and, and injecting it in an egg. That's the vessel he was using. I guess he couldn't find a horse horse womb <laughs> or the dung or the <laughs> right. And then basically he would he said it was a. I don't think he was waiting 40, 40 weeks, though. I think he was waiting, like, two weeks or something oh, like that. It's not going to be formed. Come on. <laughs> two well, weeks? He, he would then crack the egg. And then he did put out several videos of these weird things coming out of the egg. Sometimes it was malformed. Sometimes it was moving. And then everyone would be like, is this a hoax? Is this real or not? And I'm like, come on. Come on. But the fact is that. Even like, even th knowing that maybe this was an art project or whatever, this Russian dude definitely, probably dove into some literature because he was kind of following similar steps as to what what you said about putting this stuff in in a some sort of case, uh, a vessel, and then sealing it for however many days. According to the guy who debunked the videos. He would put like a sponge, a cut up sponge in there. So maybe that's what Paracelsus grew. <laughs> some sponge. Sponge. He got some sea sponge, put it in a horse womb, took it out after 40 weeks and said, wow. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, see, here's what I'm thinking. A lot of people, a lot of people that we talked about, I feel like a lot of them were just pranking <laughs> the others. <laughs> I mean, really going back to like just that alchemical philosophy of the hunt for these things if he's writing this stuff just saying i did it that he pairs himself up he puts it be he puts himself beyond other alchemists saying i've completed this these are my steps to do it do it but if you do it wrong you're not as good as me so he, mm -hmm. is he is he just out there 
influencing again? Just self-promoting himself as the best alchemist being able to do these things? Is that really all it is? Uh, there's also, well, this, this is another interesting thing of, of what you're saying, because there's no mention of him, like, showing it to anybody, right? Yeah. So, it's... At least it didn't write about it, that, to my knowledge. Right. So, but we have an example of another um, dude, a French dude named Nicolas Flamel, who claimed, he was another alchemist, who claimed that he had created gold... By mixing some powders together and, and doing some work, and he and there's there's like uh, stuff written up about him like presenting it to a, a panel of people the gold, and, and so they said, well, produce more, please, and he says, sure, and then I think he died before he could produce it again. <laughs> Don't know if it was suicide or if it was him uh, working with dangerous metals that shouldn't be touching. <laughs> Poisoned himself. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he did the the Paracelsus, the two sides of the of the poison here. <laughs> yeah, but it's like that, I think that's interesting because with Paracelsus, we don't have anything about him presenting. He's just writing some some stuff down, saying, "Oh, this is how you create a homunculus." Anyway, and then just move on with his life. Mm-hmm. No mention of anybody saying, "Yeah, we've we've seen this thing," or he had he held a conference or nothing like that. If if he didn't create a homunculus though that does leave open the possibility that something worse was born here so eusebius medicus the fifth what are the top five worst things that could have appeared inside the horse womb after 40 weeks and i have to para celsus this and make it beyond uh, i guess para eusebius medicus the fifth <laughs> Is that my new name? <laughs> so I'll start with number five, and and we'll go we'll go descending, right? <laughs> Wasn't that an issue the last episode? Yes. <laughs> um, so number the number five worst things that could have appeared inside the horse womb after forty weeks is curdled milk. <laughs> is that is that a bad thing? I mean, because after you, after you put sperm in it, oh, I did. I did completely forget the sperm <laughs> aspect of this. Uh, so yes, cardinal milk would be pretty horrible. But I would, I would argue, worse than curdled milk would be pure milk. You're absolutely right. Pure, pristine cow's milk from a horse? (laughs) From the horse's womb. The number four thing, I would say, is that uh, sarcophagus sewage water. (laughs) Worse, I think, (laughs) would be a... (laughs) An actual mummy from the black sarcophagus. The horse gives birth to a mummy. Yes. <laughs> Holding the elder cheese. Okay. No, number three is an AI special. I asked the AI to give me oh, Lord. this one. An AI special? 
So it says, the horse womb is empty after the 40-week period, and the homunculus fails to materialize. The efforts and resources invested in the ritual <laughs> yield no tangible result, leaving the practitioner disillusioned and empty-handed. <sighs> so, a callback to sleep demons, I think worse would be you open the womb and find freedom. <laughs> this... This is because it still doesn't make sense to me what the hell freedom means in any of that context. Because this is the problem I have with AI. I mean, we're talking about artificial intelligence, but it's more like artificial stupidity. We're so caught up in the allure of technological advances that we're turning a blind eye to the very real dangers looking beneath the shiny surface. First off, let's talk about control. We're giving machines more and more power, allowing them to make decisions that can have serious consequences. But guess what? They don't have emotions or empathy. They don't understand the nuances of human experience. So when we let the AI take the wheel, we're essentially handing over control to soulless calculating machines. How can we trust them to have our best interests at heart? Don't even get me started on privacy with AI or every move, every click, and every word is being. I can't. I can't even. I only realized halfway through that that you were going elder mode. And that's the end of my rant. Um. I don't know if you heard the rest of it. I, I, I was so heated up, it probably didn't come through the microphone. <laughs> you blacked out a bit. <laughs> Levitated off so high, the microphone couldn't pick it up. I'm going out there, <laughs> It's like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> okay. Um, number number two. <laughs> Still on this list. <laughs> So the number two of the of the worst things that could have appeared inside the horse womb after 40 weeks, a small horse head with a tiny human body. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think worse than that would just be, what was it, a small horse with a human body? Yes. A horse head? So I uh, suppose then a, a... A small human. Wait, what was yours? Like, yours was a small, a small human with a horse head. Yes. Okay, so then, worse than that would be would be Pizza the Hut. Oh my god! Yeah. That's It'd be all slimy. slimy. Yeah. Ugh. And the next, the 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 number one worst thing that could have appeared inside the horse womb after forty weeks is the next top. YouTuber. What? <laughs> That's some inner hatred for YouTubers coming out. Still on that elder mode. <laughs> you don't understand it. You don't get it. I don't. Do you know these people? <laughs> Are they your friends? <laughs> That's what your elder self says to these people <laughs> that watch them. The number one top thing that would come out <laughs> would be... <laughs> You're a doppelganger. <laughs> That's how they're born. Oh, God. They're and just homunculi. It, 
<laughs> it takes over your life and puts you back into the horse womb. That that's a movie right there. We we can sell it. <laughs> horse. Is it a body snatchers? Is it oh womb snatchers? <laughs> horse womb snatchers? <laughs> yeah. Horse womb snatchers. This is a regretful episode. <laughs> the form of the homunculus is a fully grown man, which suggests it has its roots in the theory of preformationism. The idea is that living things develop from miniature versions of themselves. So really, each sperm would carry one homunculus that is just a tiny little person chilling out inside until it's ready to come out. It's just always there. This then births the idea that since the homunculus is a since the homunculus is a fully grown tiny man, itself would also have tiny men in its sperm. So, Eusebius Medicus V, we have a homunculi inception chain. It is homunculi all the way down. What do you think, or what do you make of the homunculi inception? There's just infinite homunculi inception. I, I think that whoever came up with this thought, I, I don't think it was that long after that they realized the absurdity of this concept that <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to have infinite homunculi in it. But I also think, like Newton said, that he, uh, if he has seen further, it is because of standing on the shoulders of giants. I think uh, these people back then, you know, they did know some things. At least they were familiar with, possibly familiar with Zeno's paradoxes. One of them being the dichotomy paradox in which... The concept of if you're running to one po- from point A to point B, before you can get to point B, you have to reach halfway there. But in order to get halfway there, you got to reach half of that. And then if you need to reach that point, you need to reach half of that. And it's so on. And you keep doing that. It's like you keep going into halves until essentially the, the paradox is that you don't move anywhere because the points that you have to get into get down to like these infinitesimally small uh, distances. But obviously, that's not how real life works. Because <laughs> what happens when you get to your final destination? You're <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. So I think this is similar where it's like they, they, they see that there's this little homunculus that's just there. And then there's another homunculus and it just goes down into infinity. But in the end, it's just one homunculus. I think is how they probably rationalized it out. So you don't prescribe to infinite homunculus theory? I don't. That's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Just single homunculi theory? Just just the one. Yeah. (laughs) One and done. A better better idea, I think, would be that the homunculus isn't in the sperm, but the sperm has a seed. And the moment the sperm becomes a person that seed starts to grow into the homunculi yeah (laughs) (laughs) but that goes completely against preformationism (laughs) well they can that's why it's no longer a thing (laughs) (laughs) so once we grow our homunculus what the hell do we do with it Paracelsus suggests our tiny man needs to be educated with the greatest care and zeal until it grows up and begins displaying intelligence. So, 
why would we want to stop caring for it once it begins to show intelligence? He's very clear on that. <laughs> Until it grows up. I think that's easy because once it's once it's intelligent, it can do its own thing. You don't need to worry. <laughs> it can take care of itself. They, again, it's like a baby. It just sounds like you're raising a kid at this point. <laughs> once the kid becomes self-sufficient, it's out of my hands. <laughs> it can do whatever it wants. Ideally, then, the homunculus would be able to serve the alchemist in its pursuit of knowledge. What, in your opinion, uh, Eusebius Medicus V, would be the maximum number of homunculi that an alchemist could manage at once? Could you be, like, overrun with homunculi? Do you have, like, a gremlin situation here? (laughs) I don't think so. I think think this is... Actually, I think this is a trick question because what would happen, at least if I was the smart alchemist i would produce maybe two or three homunculus homunculi and then i would just teach them right i'm growing them i'm feeding them blood and then teach them (laughs) to create more homunculi for me and then i just sit back and let the money roll in (laughs) this become like a despicable me scenario with grew and the minions <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's where they got the idea from are <laughs> minions just homunculi, <laughs> just homunculi. <laughs> so paracelsus seems to distance himself a bit from the other authors of the subject who focus more or focus on a more su- magical or supernatural purpose for their homunculus other texts suggest that some homunculi can be used to summon a full moon on the last day of the month presumably to have access to its powers for other alchemical concoctions. Besides full moons, they can also summon rain. So what do you think of their abilities to control nature like this? A homunculus, that's a lot of power to control there. Well, I like to think that if a homunculus controls... Well, (laughs) if a sperm contains a homunculus, presumably a full-grown human would have a homunculus controlling them, right? So so I think that if you're growing a homunculus outside of natural means, they're basically born without a thing to control. So I think it's it's the idea is like, all right, you're going to be given the job of controlling weather or controlling the moon. And maybe those things have their own homunculus, and then the homunculus just overthrows the current one to do whatever it is you want them to do. It just seems like a wildly dangerous thing to create something that can control the rain. What if it just goes rogue? Well, that's that's another thing. Nobody really mentions the homunculi ever going against the their creators. They're, they're good little boys. <laughs> the homunculus can grant its master the power to shape change into a variety of animals, including cows, sheep, or even an ape. Which would you want to change into, and why? And why is it ape? (laughs) Well, first of all, it's the musk ape. (laughs) Oh, God. And and secondly, I think... Again, I'm I'm thinking this is maybe not changing uh shapes but more like the homunculus that that lives inside of me can come out and then go into another thing and then somehow i have that experience you have a homunculus in you (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, this is all theoretical, right? So it's, it's actually, that's how I'm changing shape. I'm just sending my little control man to some other creature. <laughs> so really, like your your homunculus is a a demon inside you that possesses you. And then it moves on to another entity that it possesses in, in essence, right? Or not really your homunculus, just your soul is a demon <laughs> that goes into other things to possess. Maybe the soul is the homunculus. And it just it moves into only cows, sheep, or apes. Or apes. What a what a weird restriction. Why not why not horses? Because <laughs> doesn't want to go back to the womb. <laughs> beyond beyond the shape changing, they can imbue you with the power to walk on water. Wow, is water walking considered relevant today? Like, would it actually be useful? Almost oh, definitely. With the prices of, of cruises these days? <laughs> cruises. <laughs> Going on anywhere, like on a plane, just walk on water. You'll entertain a bunch of people and you get to visit wherever the hell you want to visit without issues. <laughs> but you're walking across the, like, the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> like, I mean, how long is that swimming take? across the Atlantic Ocean sounds uh, like an arduous task. But if you're just walking on it, I think that's... you could. Pack a, a backpack with food and supplies, and you could. I'm sure you can uh, walk across it in, in a day or two. <laughs> I mean, if you're walking on water and there's like a storm happening, I'm assuming you can still walk on top of the crashing waves. If the rain's falling, can you like matrix jump on the on the <laughs> water the droplets? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is what is the the t- surface tension level that require is required to walk on water. Uh, that is a good question. But if you're walking on water, I think anything goes. <laughs> just it's the wild west. <laughs> if if you would rather just summon a creature than change into one, it can do that. It is suggested that they can summon poisonous snakes. So do you think this would be to have access to their venom for alchemical reasons or to weaponize them against people? Definitely not weaponizing. And who would you target with poison snakes? <laughs> De- definitely not weaponizing. No, no. We don't want to harm people. I would get the poisonous snakes because I need to make my snake wine. That's that's when you put a poisonous snake in, in some alcohol and let it sit for a few months. Then you drink it. Is that like the tequila warm? Yes, but it's less... A, a poisonous snake. <laughs> it's less gross. <laughs> How's that less gross? <laughs> if, it's if, objectively less gross, if, come on. <laughs> if the snake wine looks like the, the sarcophagus sewage water, then you're good to go. <laughs> and then you just transmute it into normal wine, right? Well, I mean, if you have a homunculus, yeah. You could do all those things. <laughs> Was Jesus an alchemist? <laughs> uh, I think it's safe to say I speak for all biblical uh, <laughs> scholars that yes, yes, he was. <laughs> Some uh, homunculi can allow you to see and converse with demons and spirits. So which spirit would you talk with? I would talk with the Spirit of Truth, or also known as Reverend X. He's on YouTube. You guys got to check him out. 
He's, he's a VTuber. Is he the newest YouTuber? <laughs> it's, it's these old videos of this guy who had public access channel, and he's got a Bible in his hand, and he's just cursing out everybody who's calling in, saying he's he, he comes in the name of the Lord, and then he just curses them out. And then people start insulting him, and he insults them right back and hangs up on them because he doesn't take any of that crap. He's 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 the son of, of Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit of truth. <laughs> what do you think he would say about a monkey lie? He'd probably say that's of the devil and then curse you out and maybe curse your mama out. Oh, no. He, he, he's got no filter. True man of the Lord. <laughs> Anything you want to add to our homunculi conversation before we get into the, into <clears throat> the, um, what's the word? Uh, the root. <laughs> Uh, Como se dice? Uh, rubric of power? <laughs> They're, uh, we we gotta give a, a welcome, a welcome back to the Maryland Museum website. I'm back on it. If you remember, if you recall, I brought it up in our Tooth Fairy episode. Um... <laughs> I I don't I honestly don't recall anything from that episode. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> neither do I. But this uh, website, the Maryland Museum, contains uh, items that are not real, but they're presented. I'll just read the blurb because I don't know how to explain this. It's an alternate history installation project, and was created. And maintained by curator Alex C.F., the museum is an exercise in a passion for turn-of-the-century scientific discovery, science fiction, fantasy, and horror, presented as an immersive experience for the viewer. The entire collection explores the idea of rooting mythology within Darwinian evolution with a focus on making the fantastical plausible. The museum, uh, there's a page on the homunculi, the goblin... What? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a few pictures of it. It looks pretty pretty cool, pretty gruesome looking thing. Tiny little human thing with a big head and bi- pointy ears like an elf. <clears throat> and you just make some sort of fake creature and call it a day. <laughs> uh, the little the little caption says. The wastes of northern Norway and Lapland were home to the homunculi, a species of pygmy hominid that stood at around 18 inches tall. These nocturnal creatures lived in subterranean cave systems and almost exclusively fed on roots and stems. They were also hunted to extinction by humans eager to own trophies of elves and dwarves. The goblin was an incredibly cunning the only carnivorous subspecies of homunculi, they formed complex cave systems which infiltrate those of other burrowing mammals. They use their olive green skin to blend with the green. They use their olive green skin to blend with the earth and await their prey. Goblins would even wear the skins of their prey by crawling within the carcass and pouncing on unsuspecting individuals within rabbit warrens and fox dens. Some goblins were caught with their bodies still entangled. With the rotting cadaver, this gave rise to the myths of goblin wearing rudimentary clothing. <laughs> so it, they just applied the name homunculus to goblins? Yeah, I guess. 
I guess the what? idea the idea of it going in the cadaver kind of implies it's a homunculus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's the MarylandMuseum.com. All so. thinking about what I've done here, and I also regret <laughs> <laughs> asking everything. <laughs> One more thing. Elon Musk is driven by a homunculus. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. And the homunculus. <laughs> yep. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. So how about then the rubric of power? And I, I, I do have to redeem myself. And I, I, I know you said I had to choose a name, and I'm, I'm, I'm doubling down on my, my original experience that I had, where I was, I was anxiety and stressed out of the name angel because nobody could my teacher could not hear me so i i think i have to choose i have to redeem myself by going by angel and becoming angel for the rubric of power what was that (laughs) como se dice Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then, Angel. (laughs) So for the rubric of power, how about the powers of the... um, The homunculus. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of my my scores here have question marks after them because I'm not entirely sure how to rank these things. The, The powers of the homunculus, you listed them. They can... Possibly summon poison, <laughs> poisonous snakes. <laughs> they can control the weather, uh, the moon, and um, only on the last day of the month, though. For the, the very, yes. very specific. Come on. And and I'm sure even then they don't work that well. But who's to say? <laughs> what if a what if a homunculus went goblin mode and just became slovenly and? <laughs> didn't do anything it just it just went out on its own and then just did regular human things i mean is it even a human like people (laughs) it's just a tiny person (laughs) i i I guess 2.5 i said what maybe (laughs) i mean it's pretty cool to control the weather but only when you're told Only when you're told to do so. <laughs> what what would happen, I think, if, say, the alchemist tells the, the homunculus to do something, and then the alchemist, like, immediately dies and never tells them to stop? Do yeah. they have to stop? And yeah. they just keep going forever? That That is a good... There needs to be some sort of failsafe in place. Like, like, a, like a dead man switch. <laughs> I was going to say, dead man switch, the alchemist dies and kills all of his homunculi. <laughs> Was McAfee uh, <laughs> uh alchemist? McAfee. And his switch didn't work? <laughs> he most definitely was an alchemist. Sh- all the pills he was taking. I'm sure there was some sort of inner transformation going on there. I I was I was pleasantly surprised by what this little duder can do. So like I said, summons moons, rain, snakes, poisonous snakes specifically. I guess not just like a gardener snake. Who wants that? <laughs> I think that's has all been some like rather unique stuff so far. And after how many creatures that we've looked at, it's kind of nice to see something new, I guess. Now, 
I can't really fathom why you'd want to be a cow or a sheep or an ape. I don't know what what you would do in that form. <laughs> Spy on people. <laughs> I don't know. I got an ape. I th- if if you turn into an ape in 1500s Europe, I think people are gonna try to chase you and kill you. It's not gonna not gonna go well. I don't think they're gonna be scared. It has just occurred to me. If you shapeshift into any of these things, do you still retain the ability to talk? Uh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> How would Is this you where turn like back? all these fairy tales came from? How would you turn back? Is this I a permanent does, change? Does the homunculus say like "screw you"? I'm not turning your back. <laughs> it's like a genie granting a wish with a twist. It fails. All, like it goes wrong every single time. Yeah. Now I'm stuck as a sheep. <laughs> And I finally figured out how to transmute lead into gold, and now I'm a sheep and can't do it anymore. Uh, then you throw in being able to converse with demons and ghosts, and it's like a, a bunch of guys just got together, a bunch of alchemists got together, and like, okay, let's add this. It reminds me of the Key and Peel Gremlins 2 sketch, where they just start blurting shit out, and they add it to the movie, like, this gremlin's gonna have electricity powers, and... Then and then Hulk Hogan's gonna show up. <laughs> so for powers, I landed on a very specific no question marks for me. Three point nine one. Wow. So how about the uh hmm. the it's when it's when you can't you can't find it. Oh my god. <laughs> you how do you how do you detectability? How about the detectability of the homunculus? <laughs> oh, detectability! I oh mean... wait, before before you go on, I gotta I gotta be my angel self. It doesn't fly, so I should have given it a five. <laughs> wait, a five? <laughs> yep, because it, it doesn't. Should broke the rubric. <laughs> The, the lack of flying does not make it better. <laughs> it just having flying ability just doesn't make it any worse or better. Oh. <laughs> I think it, I think you just I recall. According to the chat GPT description of the homunculus, it may have wings. It may fly. So, oh no, I need to reduce the score. <laughs> Three point nine. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> detectability. Um, okay, I mean, this thing. I don't. I mean, have you detected any? I haven't. <laughs> Neither did Paracelsus. <laughs> I mean, he says he grew one, but do can we really believe him? Yes. <laughs> but you know how I feel about these kinds of things. If we're talking about it, <laughs> that's that how means I feel. If we're talking about it, that means somebody's seen something, which means that it's been detected at least once. So that hurts his score, at least for me, which I uh, gave it a 3.71. <laughs> I don't know why the the points always make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> this one, it, it's kind of tough for me because they're there's reportedly instructions for how to make one so everybody should be able to just go out there get a horse womb make one but you know it 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 doesn't work so to keep it this short i just went down the middle with a 2.5 
So then how about the, the, it's, it's when, uh, the word, it's at the tip of my tongue, when, like the history of an, of a thing, or just the, like the accumulation of, of <laughs> all of the texts about it, the, uh, what's it, Had, lore, the lore of the homunculus. <laughs> The lore. Um, I'll tell you something right here about the lore. <laughs> you going cowboy mode? Made an extra goal for myself. <laughs> I got that. You're, the par- your para angel. You're going above <laughs> angel. <laughs> I got the. I got the. What mustache is that? I forget the guy's name. Sam Elliott. Yes, Sam Elliott mustache lore. Um, I think it's like you said. This this is a unique a thing a unique thing that we looked into. It's it's different, and I I I enjoyed the 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 mystique behind it because of the the whole alchemy aspects. Because there's always a uh, discussions about alchemy alchemy where it's like. Were these guys pseudoscientists? Or you have the other people saying, no, no, everything they're saying is is all symbolic. It's not meant to be taken literally. So I have fun thinking about what exactly a homunculus is supposed to represent symbolically if, if it's not literal. And just sperm in in a in a vessel for 40, 40 weeks. Like that's that's crazy. How do you how do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> Don't don't have a, a womb. Just use manure, I guess. <laughs> Just say screw it. Horse crap's good enough <laughs> to put my as, sperm into. As, as long as it comes from a horse, right? It cannot be anything else. <laughs> not a cow. Not a sheep. Not an ape. Not the things that can help you transmute into. Just <laughs> a horse. That that's the thing that makes me thinking. It must be true. He's telling me specifically horse. It cannot. I cannot substitute it for anything else. Yeah. I give it a three. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, I like how there are like competing ideas on how the homun of what the homunculus should do. Like there's the more mystical side, and then the Paracelsus pseudo scientific approach, where they just sort of, and then they just sort of mingle together to form the alchemical homunculus. It's it's really interesting uh, how there are variations on how you make one, but how vital things like blood are to the ritual. And really, uh, it's like, in my opinion, all stems from just not understanding how the hell sperm worked. <laughs> and that there are just, indeed, like, not, there are not fully formed tiny men inside the sperm that just grow. <laughs> um, all of this also greatly downplays the importance of the female side of reproduction. When some dude thinks he can just put sperm in horse dung and still have something produced from it. Like it, it is, it is all yeah. male focused on progeny and creation of progeny that completely removes the female aspect of it. It's, it's quite, <laughs> it's quite uh, interesting in that aspect. So for lore, I gave it a, a, what's the, keep losing these words uh, the it's a number it's it has curves in it it's it's after two but before uh, three a 3.4 <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> what have I done? Como se dice three. <laughs> oh man. How about then the 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 brain waves? <laughs> um, you know how I feel about human humanoid creatures. However, <laughs> that's how I feel. However, this one's different. It's tricky because they have the intelligence of a human. I mean, you have to teach them and everything, right? Of of great great education. However, they they have apparent I mean, it seems like they have no agency. They're they don't do anything until you tell them to. So, I feel like that hurts the score a bit. And the only fair th- way I can think of is to basically um, give it a four and then half it, so it's a two. <laughs> to re- remove the agency of the four. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eusebius Medicus the fifth. They are just tiny men. They they are, in in my angel opinion, they have proportional tiny man brains. <laughs> so. Am, am, am I at this point actually Eusebius Medicus the fifth, the sixth, or this is very confusing? How do you say confusing? Uh, cunning brainwaves. Uh, I gave it a intelligence of of four. They're tiny men, men brains. Four. Tiny men brains. Membranes. <laughs> How about then, good God, the impact on on popular culture? This is this is interesting because pop culture doesn't really. It's not because the homunculus is more like a concept. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, we're gonna do a new take on this. It's just a thing that occurs. So yeah, there's plenty of of examples of this. Apparently, there's something in Full Metal Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Um, but other examples. <laughs> You're an anime brain. You should know, or anime head. That's what. That's the term you use. Anime head. Yeah. Uh, other examples uh, I can think of is like that alien in uh, Men in Black. Yep. Oh, that, Inside the guy's head. Yeah. Um. There's. You know, Elon Musk. There's lots of things, <laughs> really, uh, that have been influenced by, by pop culture, and uh, yeah, I think, it was. It's influential, but I don't think it's, like, top tier either. Mm-hmm. So I give it a 3.5. Wow. So the first time I recall seeing a homunculus is from the game Magic the Gathering in, in a, the card game. Mm-hmm. Probably a little over a decade ago or so. And it was just, like, this entity that, in the picture, it was portrayed that it, like, helped a scientist in some aspect. My favorite representation is in Dungeons and Dragons in 5th edition. There is a homunculus and it almost it sounds somewhat similar to something you added earlier from ChatGPT, but it's designed almost like Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, the move Disney movie, but with wings. It has wings. Can it fly? <laughs> it can fly. It just it's just so odd that they did such odd design choice to and then name it homunculus. But then there are uh, several movies dealing with the concept and even the idea that the concept influenced Mary Shelley with Frankenstein. But uh, I don't think the entity is just well known enough for people to understand 
like what the hell it actually is. So for the impact, I gave it a 2.96. <laughs> wow. So what did you add up to for your your score in the rubric of wower? I uh, totaled up to 14 point. F- oh, wait, no, I got to I got to. Maybe I should actually add it up. <laughs> just you just make up a number. <laughs> I, my secret's out. I'm just throwing out random numbers and hoping that what? That's not. I don't want to divide. What is happening? I can't type anymore. <laughs> Como se dice? Como se dice number? <laughs> okay, I think this is accurate. 14 14.71. I think it's accurate. <laughs> I came to a 16.77. Holy crap. That gives the homunculus a 15.74 in the rubric of power. That's F- like 15? when to go. Yeah, 15.74. Whoa. Who knew the homunculus? You said when to go? Let's see. I don't think it's around that. It's higher than the Wendigo. It uh, it beats season one, then. It's higher than the Stikini, and it's higher than Slenderman. I think S. Slenderman could make a S. homunculus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, he has enough skin, I think. To... <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, it's funny that you brought up Slenderman, because that was one of the things I actually thought of, because there was a, a different ritual that you can uh, that was written in uh in the book of the cow i think it's called about how you needed certain dirt to put on onto the homunculus for the for the ritual and i thought of slender man with that <laughs> stupid book about the hundred facts of slender man and yep. the, the he has to sleep on grave dirt <laughs> yep that grave dirt is his his only uh place of respite so this leads us to I don't have my thing, but homunculus, <laughs> you've just been cracked. Come on, say do you say cracked? <laughs> oh Jesus, these these goals are ridiculous. <laughs> I was I was disappointed that you skipped a question. I did. I, I had a whole answer ready and everything. Yeah, you skipped the "Are you ready?" part. Eusebius Medicus the fifth. Uh, now that we've made it this far into the episode, I my my memory, uh, como se dice? But are you ready? You know that silence when people say any questions, <laughs> and that usually means no. In this case, my silence means yes. There are questions. No, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I hate these. Are you ready? Such a a chore trying to come up with a different response for that one. (laughs) We have homunculied. We're going to homunculi our way onto your favorite (laughs) social media platform to hate on. And make sure you don't visit it that day because you want to make sure you have at least one, a bit of one post that you can make 
or something. I don't even understand. You can only view 600 <laughs> or 800, but then how many can you post? I don't get it. I don't get what's going on with the tweets. If you if you're uh if you can still see Twitter at this point, then go ahead and tweet at us. Because remember, you got to be logged in now to <laughs> see this stuff. <laughs> you got so to be logged in. You got to be logged in, and you you can't have used up your 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 daily limit. <laughs> I don't know why we're still on Twitter, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> um, but Instagram doesn't have any of that stuff. Maybe it will, depending on who wins the fight versus. <laughs> I swear, people are going to listen to this in the future, and they're going to be like, what was going on in this time period? <laughs> Just chaos. <laughs> chaos in the Coliseum is what they should call it. <laughs> they're going to fight in the Coliseum. Mark uh, Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. I'm, I'm putting this out there for posterity. Uh, <laughs> and this will be the only record that survives. <laughs> Yeah, every, every, we're going to enter the, the uh, digital dark age pretty soon. Hopefully these servo, servers uh, continue to mm-hmm. survive. And, and my, my, my backup plan of all my record keeping of putting these on cassette tapes will finally <laughs> come to fruition. <laughs> You'll finally be able to use those old technologies again. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're we're on uh, on on the Twitters. We're at cracking curios on on the on the Instagram. We're at cracking cryptids. You know, I don't even know if hashtags are still a thing. I don't hear people talking about them. But do whatever <laughs> at this point. Send us an email, cracking cryptids and curios at gmail We got listeners basically all around the world. I don't know how you guys can understand English, but if you can, please. <laughs> Please let us know how we're doing. If you think we're funny or or idiot slobs, and that we've never improved ourselves through these goals, maybe you have some goals you think we should try. You know, the year's almost over. Um, <laughs> I hate that saying. <laughs> what the year's almost over? Yes, <laughs> it's July. <laughs> the year's almost done, guys. Just prepare, prepare for the worst year. It's almost over. Um, we're we're on whatever uh, podcast, uh, your favorite podcast uh, place to listen to podcasts. We're on that one. You know the one you're thinking of. As always, the silence means <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. They probably got the poor people to do it for them. They said, go kill that horse and bring me its womb.